0: What's up, queens and royals? I'm your host, Angel, and you are listening to Awakened Love, a podcast on sex, love, and awakening. And these are the conversations to evoke the wise, wild, woke one within you. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened beings? Today, we have Reverend Brianna Lynn on the podcast with us. Brianna Lynn is a nature-based guide supporting change makers to integrate past trauma and to live with their hearts wide open. She's the founder and head witch of the Earth Temple, and I'm so honored to have her here today. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Such a pleasure. I'd love to dive right in because I'm so Scorpio and that's just the only way I know how to do it.
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) I was watching a snippet on your Instagram, uh, which by the way, what is your Instagram? Because everyone needs to go and follow you right now.
1: At Rev, R-E-V, Brianna Lynn, B-R-I-A-N-A-L-Y-N-N.
0: Yeah, do yourself a favor, guys. You know, there's so much... I was actually scrolling through one of my best friends' series, and I was like, "God, there's this is so much junk on Instagram." I was like, "Look at this," and I was like, "Actually, that's really cool." And it was your image. <laughs> I
1: was
0: like, "This is cool." She's like, um, <laughs> <and> "Yay!" <whatever. laughs> I'm like, "Actually, that's inspiring and art and, and educational. This is good." Um, and so I saw a snippet on your inspiring, educational, free, evocative Instagram, and it was a mm-hmm. discussion with Blue, who our listeners heard a few episodes back, on patriarchy and. Mm-hmm. I would just love to just dive right in. Could you give us a little snapshot for those listening who might not even be aware of like for reals of what patriarchy is? I'm sure mm-hmm. they're aware of the feeling of it, but maybe like mm-hmm. what is it and when did it become established and how is it becoming dismantled and just like let's just dive in there. If that Great. Let's start with patriarchy. Just lay.
1: <laughs> you are totally a Scorpio. I told you. Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of my work centers around empowering pussy havers, womb bearers, feminine ID women to understand why we are challenged in our society today and age to actually break out of the cage. And part of my work is being a historian, really understanding our story as pussy havers from the beginning of civilization. So I like to go back in time anywhere between 10 and 6,000 years, depending on where you're at in the planet. And the establishment of patriarchy was the beginning of civilization and empirical rule, empires. And there was an inherent system that was created through legal structures and through religious structures that elevated the masculine body, the male-bodied ones above all other gender identities. So above female, above two-spirited, above any other identities that having a penis and being in the male body with certain masculine attributes that of physical strength, that of voice loudness, that of financial acuity, that that was somehow championed championed more than interconnectivity, deep mystic experiences, um, relationship. So it was a shift in human history that in order to develop an empire, in order to keep and, and, and conquest other land, in order to grow food and control a group of people, there was an orientation towards male-bodied and masculine traits that said that those are more valuable than those that would be considered feminine or, or in their female form. And so that, again, began anywhere between 10 and 6,000 years ago, depending on where you're at in the globe. And patriarchy is the way that we still operate within our educational, financial, spiritual, governmental, military systems on the planet to this day, wherever you're at on the planet, patriarchy has infused itself in almost every tradition and culture, even the indigenous and earth-based traditions. Most of them still champion the male bodied masculine traits above that of anything else. So just to understand that I'm not talking about patriarchy as like uh, the male line or that there's something Wrong with men. There's something wrong with a structure that says male bodied individuals are somehow more valuable than any other gendered bodied individuals.
0: Say it, sister. Yeah. (laughs) She's like a little something like that.
1: Something like that.
0: Yeah. It's casual. Yeah, and you were touching on self-validation, which just really, really tickled me pink because I talk and our listeners know I talk a lot about self-acceptance and how it's like a radical act of rebellion as a a woman or a gender non-conforming person to accept who you are. And you you had such beautiful things to say about self-validation in relationship to dismantling patriarchy. And I wonder if you could speak to that a little.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you know, I think... deconstructing patriarchy or deconstructing these systems of oppression or systems of domination, however we want to refer to them as in order to build something new, we, we need to know what we, we need to deconstruct. So I'm going to go back even a step further, which I wish I would have done on Blue's podcast. We might do a, a dismantling the patriarchy part two where I can dive into this a bit more. And so much of this has been born recently. I've been, I've been walking out of a narcissistic abuse relationship with someone who is a spiritual figure within the community and being able to identify it within myself, being able to identify the patriarchy within myself that said yes to me being in the abusive relationship. I could identify being Behaviors all day long. I could point out where it was abusive. But what has been the real interesting part as a female bodied individual? is noticing where I was participating in the patriarchy. So I just want to be very clear that I'm not here to point fingers at the men or say the men are doing the wrong thing, although I could do that all day long as an academic and as a personal (laughs) attack. Mm -hmm. What I'm more interested in is speaking specifically to the female-bodied ones and and the masculine male-bodied ones too of how we do this to ourselves because that's what enables us to do it to each other or accept that treatment from someone else. So Mm -hmm. the acronym that I've come up with in this past couple of weeks, in in the dismantling of of understanding what narcissistic abuse is, what domination is, what intimidation is within a relationship, is a acronym that I call DIM D I M. How how we dim each other's lights. How are we dimming our own and each other's lights? And the first the first piece of dimming is that D. It's devaluing. It's mm-hmm. degrading. It's any time that my word is put as less than someone else's experience. Now, I'm not asking to be better than. I'm not asking to be put on a pedestal. I'm not asking me to, to be called a goddess. What I am asking for is equality that my experience is equally as valuable as that one that is seen as rational or masculine. That what I am channeling, that what's coming through me, is as equally as regarded. That we meet in the circle and not in the pyramid. That not someone's experience or money or. Words have more value than mine, but that everyone at the circle has an equal and and valuable contribution to give. So the first piece in dismantling systems of, of patriarchy or systems of domination begins with ourselves. And how do I diminish or devalue myself? Mm -hmm. That gives us permission to diminish and devalue others. And within the patriarchal model, we have been taught that masculine oriented or alpha oriented traits are somehow more valuable than the feminine or the omega oriented traits. The masculine oriented traits, I've listed a few, but just to go over them again is like financial prosperity, metrics with time, uh, physical strength. Uh, directness with voice, being able to keep track of linear time. These are all masculine traits. The feminine traits are connection, relationship, texture, nuance, subtlety, that which cannot be named, the mystery, all the feelings, (laughs) pretty much anything that cannot be measured by time and space. Mm -hmm. And for over 10,000 years, especially for those of us who are white presenting, the message has been ingrained to us again and again and again to value those masculine traits and devalue those feminine traits. So how do we move from the pyramid to the circle within ourselves? We start valuing our feminine traits. Again, not devaluing the masculine traits. We need those two, not devaluing the alpha. That's not what anti-patriarchy is. Patriarchy in its linguistic form that what I'm talking about is valuing those masculine traits more than these ones. I'm not calling for matriarchy. I'm calling for holocracy. Like let's look, at the wholeness of the human being There are times where my masculine traits are needed and valuable, being able to speak to you in this way. My feminine is flowing through me and my masculine is creating a language so that you and our audience can understand, but this is pure channel. If I was just going pure channel light language, the transmission would not equate to what is needed for this planet at this time. This is my hero, Scamos. This is my gold. This is my alchemy of my inner masculine and feminine making love in this moment. That's why I go by the orgasmic oracle because I am here to embody the masculine trait of linguistics with the pure feminine channel of information that the planet is finally ready to receive. So it requires within each one of us to be in that relationship with our masculine and feminine and actually not say that one is better than the other. They actually get to make love with each other. And however you identify as a gender, non-binary, queer, whatever it is, within each one of us, we have these alpha traits and omega traits. It's an amazing term that a woman named London Winters coined that instead of calling it masculine and feminine, if that binary is too um, charged for you, I also invite in like the alpha and the omega or the north and the south. They don't inherently have to be associated with genitalia. I want to be really clear on that. (laughs) But within patriarchy, the male-bodied masculine traits have been chunked together. So it's important to notice where they've been chunked together and it's important um, linguistically to notice where they are not inherently connected. Okay, Mm. So how do we move out of that first D? Instead of diminishing and devaluing, we equally value both the masculine and feminine, both the alpha and the omega within ourselves. The I is to intimidate, whether that's physical intimidation, emotional intimidation, um, energetic intimidation. I will get bigger than you to force you to do something you do not want to do. Mm. definition of intimidation I have done it with my body most of my life I was bulimic anorexic um, obsessed with fasting obsessed with clearing my body when I went to kind of the new age new cage spirituality movement it was like colonics and like a whole new experience of eating disorders and or disordered eating within this like I'm gonna cleanse my body and it's like well no I'm just back in the cycle of trying to be the smallest person in the room again the place where I saw the most intimidation in my life internally was with my body and it and and this masculine aspect, this masculine principle trying to conquer the nature of my body. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm five, nine. I'm, I'm, um, what would that be inside? Like 175 centimeters. I believe I'm a tall human. Mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> and it's hum- yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like our sta- my stature is, 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 is meant to have a certain amount of weight on it. And I was told like one thirty or like, you know, something ridiculous was, was my, was my weight that I was supposed to be oriented towards. So that masculine number, has tried to conquer my body my whole life, and so the way that I've moved out of intimidation has been through a lot of movement, breath, sound, movement, touch, which is a practice that I teach. I can give you guys the link. Getting in touch with like what's actually being felt, what's actually being asked for, intuitive eating, understanding when it is time to cleanse, coming into right relationship with my blood and moon cycles, learning how to drum and sing, getting back in touch with the the sensation of my body was the way that I moved out out of intimidation uh, Hmm. with myself. D-I-M, the last one is manipulate. That's when we use words in order to get our point across and make sure that we end end up on top. Manipulation is about ending up on top. All of these essentially are about ending up on top of the pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use words and I'm going to use concepts. And there's always pieces of truth in manipulation. That's what makes it so difficult to identify. It's not outright lying, although that can be a shadow tool of of a lot of ways and a lot of things. But manipulation in and of itself, the, the, the challenge of it is that there's always a seed of truth. And so it's like, yes, that piece is true, but the meaning that you're making around it makes you you look good and makes me look like an asshole or makes you look mm-hmm. like this makes me, you look like that. The, the, the movement out of the manipulation is to be in the sacred of what is to get in as much rapport with what reality is having a sacred juicy real relationship with what is happening right now and to get into the now to move from the pyramid of manipulation into the circle because this was this was my thing because I love to work with words and I was the f- the oldest of four children seen as the star child of my family always had to be right best in my class blah 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 manipulation was my main tool to get others to see me in a certain light, especially because I had this behind the scenes eating disorder for almost half my life. And so what I had to learn and still learn in the unpacking of the tool of domination of manipulation is to come into right relationship with what is, and I have another acronym for that. It's JIN, J-I-N, what is juicy, what is integrous, and what is now, what's actually juicy, what's alive in my body as sensation. Mm -hmm. What is integrus? Where my thoughts, my words, my behaviors, my feelings, my actions are in alignment, are in integrity. And that's a felt experience in the body. That's a texture in the body. For me, it's a relaxed heart, a relaxed butthole, a relaxed belly. Mm -hmm. That's integrus. And now what's actually alive right now, I'm not trying to remember what's happened in the past or trying to manipulate an outcome for the future. I'm literally narrating my experience as a student of the now. So that's how I've moved out of manipulation as a practice. I want to be super clear. Everything that I'm sharing with you, babe, is notes from a student in the field. I do not come as an expert of dismantling systems of oppression or of patriarchy. I do not come as like the great one who knows. This is what I'm learning in the trenches as a human of life, as a female body, feminine-essenced, white presenting woman who was born and raised in Southern California and has traveled the world and has worked at the United Nations and has seen a lot of different things in a lot of different fields from spiritual leadership to global leadership. And this across the board, the dimming of self and then of others is the number one pandemic on our planet. Our number one pandemic on the planet right now is, is narcissism, which is the idea that being on the top of the pyramid is the whole point. It's the definition of narcissism that I cannot be wrong, that I need to be the right one, that I am the savior, that I have an answer that nobody else can have. And I see this in our world leaders. I see this in our spiritual leaders. I see this in our pharmaceutical leaders. I see this in our military leaders, that they believe that they have an answer that nobody else can have access to, nor can we deconstruct or even begin to point fingers at and say, hey, this is a piece that's off or not good. It's you're either with me or against me. So that's how we can start to identify the pyramids is are you with me or against me? how do we turn it into a circle we create a discussion within ourselves and all parts of ourselves and including more voices in the round table so that's a bit around dismantling patriarchy in a nutshell i could go on for days about it there's workshops and practices and things all the things that are building out from there but this is like the direct transmission as it is alive today
0: Hello, beautiful being. If you are interested in sacred sexuality, if you want to learn more practices, understand the tools, learn how to restore your erotic wholeness and how to unleash your most authentic, sensual expression, then I have a very special treat for you. My free virtual self-worship event Reclamation. I'll be hosting this live ceremony Saturday, January the 15th at 1 p.m. Mountain USA time. We're going to come together to create safe, celebratory space to release the shame and disconnection to restore wholeness, vibrancy, and aliveness to our sensual expression. I'm going to be teaching you the biggest blocks to healing our sexual shadow and what to do about them, why awakening and integrating the seductress archetype is so important, plus leading you through a pleasure practice to make all that information real in your own body. You're also going to get first access and best price on my brand new program, Seductress, six weeks of sacred sexuality to become a magnet for anything you want. So strap in for a wild, powerful, sensual awakening. And if this sounds like some woo-woo witchy shit, honey, it is. So if you don't already have your virtual self-worship event reclamation in your calendar, Put it in there now, Queen. January 15th, 1 p.m. USA Mountain Time. And all you have to do to reserve your free seat is go to angelicalana.com forward slash reclamation. can wait to see you there and to ring in this brand new year in a sexy, alive, safe and celebratory way. See you there. I really loved your acronym DIM and something I've been thinking a lot about recently as I grow in this arena of learning um, how to receive reflection and how to say, I'm sorry. And I think that those are two really, really important skills, at least in my life that is, and I'm again, as you said, I'm also a student of this and fuck up all the time, but I know when I get it and when I lean into that, it it is, it revolutionizes my relationships. I wonder, can you speak to, for those listening who might have trouble saying, I'm sorry, or receiving reflection, um, do you feel that's an important piece of this uh, and how can we get better at it?
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Thank you for bringing that forward and just being vulnerable in, in your own personal share in that too. Yeah. As a leader, the most important thing that we can do is take ourselves off the pedestal, right? Like get off the top of the pyramid. <laughs> like, A, because when we fall, it's going to fucking hurt. And B, it's just an inappropriate place to be, especially as white presenting people. We get to be deconstructing racism as we're also deconstructing patriarchy because racism, sexism, sizeism, ageism, genderism, these 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 are all tools of the patriarchy or tools of oppression. So one way that we can deconstruct kind of like this forward-facing, like cis-appearing, white-presenting individual is to say like, A, I don't know everything. I'm aware that there's a lot more that I don't know that I don't know than what I know about the world and how to show up in a way that can help deconstruct the tools of oppression. I get that I don't know, number one. Number two, I'm open to feedback. If my impact in some way feels oppressive. I want to know that if my inner bitch is coming out and she steps on you, she demeans you, if she intimidates you, if you feel manipulated, I want to know because I want to learn. And not that I'm going to take everything that everyone says at face value. I like to receive feedback from people who I want to be more like. I like to receive feedback from people who actually live with me. I don't receive feedback from people on Instagram. I could give a flying fuck about people's impression of me through the screen. However, if there's a sister of color who's like, hey, I listened to you on this podcast and I want to help you deconstruct this piece and I'm willing to get on a conversation with you or I want to send you some voice notes, there's a certain frequency that I will receive, but it requires an eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart, pussy-to-pussy meeting, Right pelvis to pelvis meeting of like our feet are in the earth and I'm here. If I start to feel the attack energy, that's just playing with the pyramid again, right? Like Mm -hmm. someone's trying to attack and take you down and put themselves up on the pedestal. That's not feedback. Feedback is, hey, I have a reflection for you that's going to support you in your growth. And I want to grow through my ability to learn how to give this to you. Mm. that's feedback feedback Mm. is not I'm going to attack you I'm going to cancel culture you I'm going to blame you that's just playing with the pyramid and and positions of power inappropriate positions of power again so just so that we're really distinguished in what feedback is and if you want to give me feedback the best way is to ask permission Mm. the best way is to ask. I have some feedback for you and I would love to share it with you when would be a good time are you open to receiving that Mm-hmm. That is an incredible like lateral. We want to think of our relationships as lateral in the circle that we can see each other eye to eye. The moment that someone feels themselves trying to mount them, we are pack animals. If you try to mount me, I'm going to go for your throat. Like that's pretty natural. Mm-hmm. And so just to notice that within our system, or I'm going to try to cower and get small, right? Like, mm-hmm. like pack animals, like dogs, like, okay, fine, do whatever you want and just give me feedback. Or like, no, you're not going to fucking give me feedback. But if mm-hmm. we can meet like, hey, I'm actually not trying to give myself points up or points down from you. I see a place where learning might be really powerful for you. Are you open to receiving what I have to give? Are you open Mm -hmm. to receiving this gift, right? Mm -hmm. So that's number one with feedback. And then the other piece, you were talking about feedback and saying, I'm sorry. Saying, I'm sorry. Oh, because we fuck up. You know, we do things where it's like, I said something that was either like programming or I just didn't know that I didn't know or I'm ignorant. Or like when LGBTQXYZ, L-M-L-P-Q-R-S-T-U-V like comes out, I always forget the letters. And like, I... Do not know always what to call people. Or I, in in my country, they're referring to indigenous as indigenous. In Canada, they like to be called native. In Australia, they want to be referred to by their tribal name or the or, or, or the aboriginals. And in New Zealand's and Maori. And working with so many different tribes, I forget sometimes, and I can say things that are way out of line. Um, being able to say I'm sorry is a lateral way of saying I'm human and I'm not here to prove. That I am the savior. I'm not here to prove that I need to stay on top of the pyramid. I'm not here to prove that I need to have it right in order to make a positive impact on the planet. I think so many people um, hold influencers and as influencers hold themselves to the standard that's absolutely inhumane. Like, Let's let people fuck up out loud and make amends. Mm. Saying I'm sorry isn't just like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it again. It's like, I'm sorry. And here's what I'm going to do differently moving forward. I think in the I'm sorry category, we forget that part. It's about making amends. And the 12-step program really helped me learn what that was. I did um, 12 steps for Overeaters Anonymous many, many years ago. And that that step of making amends, it wasn't like, okay, I'm sorry, like forgive me and now we can be friends. It was like, I'm sorry. Here's what I noticed I did wrong. And the way that I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen again is X, Y, and Z. Mm. That piece of I'm sorry is actually the restorative justice that we are responsible to be giving in these conversations when we have created a, a fracture in the trust currency that's between the two of us. Here's what I did. I'm sorry I did that. And here's how I'm going to behave. Here's how I'm going to adjust. Here's where I'm going to heal so that that infraction and that break of trust doesn't happen to us again. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I love that so much. I really love your analogy of the pyramid versus the circle. Mm-hmm. And I think relationally, at least I previously was stuck in in the binary or kind of dichotomy of I'm either right or I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And when I'm wrong, I feel dominated. And so it was very hard to apologize. But over the last years, I've been so grateful to have an incredible partner that's empowered me to do a lot of this kind of you know healing of the inner child that, <laughs> so that we can show up. And what I've really realized and recognized in myself is how liberating it is to, not worry about whether they're going to say they're sorry for what they did or it's not a binary like, but they're more wrong and they are wrong and I am right. It's like, Mm -hmm. no... What can I take responsibility for? And now yes. I'm kind of in the habit of being like, let me find something. Like, what can I take responsibility for? Because it does, um, it's like the olive branch that I find that creates the restoration and the connection that we ultimately want. Like, I don't want to be right or wrong. I want to be connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yes. neither of those matter. And so yeah, the power of I'm sorry, I think is is just, I don't know, it's very alive in me. Um, Today, I was having a conversation with a friend about it who was sharing, like, oh, it's really hard to say, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I feel you, sister. And I think the reason I found it so hard previously is because I was in the dichotomy of if I say, I'm sorry, then I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're all a little wrong and we're all a little right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like, just own your wrongness or wrong, maybe not the right word, but own the things that you have done that have hurt others. And another big thing for me was realizing the difference between intention and impact. It's like, it doesn't matter what my intention is. And I think when we're so attached to the ego, like who we think we are and what you were talking about, manipulation, how others see me, I need to make sure that you see me in this certain way way then we can't apologize because we're so attached to how we're being seen we're trying to like defend this version of ourselves instead of just being like oh my gosh I stepped on your toe that wasn't my intention I'm not out to step on people's toes like but that's irrelevant I don't Mm -hmm. need to come to like make a, a, a testimony about how I'm not a person who usually steps on people's toes and I didn't even intend to step it's like no that's irrelevant this person's toe is sore just say oh my gosh, like I see you, I see your pain and I'm so sorry for anything that I caused, um, any part I had in that. And yeah, it's just been so liberating. I think it's it's a powerful piece. And it's interesting how you're talking a lot about the pyramid and the circle. I've never heard that analogy before. It's so powerful. I just this morning was writing a piece called, called The Guru Always Falls.
1: Mm, about, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because yes.
0: of the, the rigidity in um, our power dynamics in relationship. If we're always in the teacher and we're never cycling through teacher, student, teacher, student, teacher, student, follow a leader, follow a leader, then we have this kind of rigid power structures and they always break. Anything that's rigid um, breaks. So I just think it's it's interesting. Of course, that's how the universe works that when you, you're like on a frequency, you come in and you're, this is exactly what you're sharing about. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. Like
1: the yeah. guru archetype. Mm -hmm. in our society (laughs) what do you think about that (laughs) you know I think it's it's that structure of the pyramid that came from the emperor that came from the kings that said God ordained me this force outside of me ordained me and I have more say over something than someone else and it's Allowed to build really incredible militaries and it inspires people to commit suicide on the battlefield. You know what I mean? If we're looking at the military industrial complex and the agricultural industrial complex, the idea of the guru really works because one person needs to have the meta view, needs to be the CEO calling the shots to all the workers. That is not the way businesses need to run. That's not the way that our food needs to be grown. That's not the way that we are actually going to protect ourselves. That is what's going to propagate this idea of the guru or the president or the prime minister or the head leader. And it could be male or female. I've seen it in both genders where people take on this persona of savior-esque and it always falls apart. I think Osho is a great example of not only going to prison, but like the huge amounts of sexual assault cases that came against him. Yogi Bhajan of the Kundalini tradition came out, so many sexual assault cases against him. They say Jesus died early enough that none came out against him, but definitely would have happened to him too, or Yeshua, Joshua was his actual name. Um, And so there's this this idea that being the guru or being the sad guru or having the spiritual enlightenment, like reaching this place, you reach some... Um, pinnacle where you're no longer going to be affected by the human experience. And I think that's a lot of bullshit. I think the guru mindset is a lot of bullshit and it abdicates personal responsibility and says, oh, that person over there can do that, but I can't do that. They're meditating that way. I can't do that. They're speaking that way. I can't do that. And they're also untouchable, like they get away with a lot of shit. And so my my invitation to myself and to others is don't put anyone on a pedestal. Don't put yourself on a pedestal. It doesn't matter how many views, how many likes, how many ashrams, how many good things they've done, how many times they've been president. They're still gonna fuck up. There's still gonna be a Monica Lewinsky somewhere. There's still gonna be a Watergate somewhere. There's still gonna be some woman behind that motorcycle riding guru who's gonna say, actually, he sexually assaulted me and here's my story. So it's important to understand that we're all human. Like we're on an equal playing field and enlightenment is literally bringing the light in To our bodies, into our human experience and naming the shit that we have done and the weird shit that we think about. Enlightenment Mm -hmm. is not some place where all of a sudden you're not going to have a human experience or not going to have a human thought or not going to have a human tendency. Awakening Mm -hmm. is not waking up and being like, I have no more human sensory needs. That's Mm -hmm. bullshit that's a fantasy. That is a fantasy. Breatharianism is a fantasy. These are fantasies. These are mythopoetic, beautiful things that are written to give us some sort of hope. And most of the time, just to hypnotize us, to buy more shit and stay quiet about the military industrial complex that's committing suicide on fronts all around the world. Spirituality, religion is the opium of the people. I completely agree with Karl Marx on this one. As someone who's also very spiritual and as someone who's been involved in over four cults in my lifetime, it's very important to know that the way that people can get us to shut up the most is if they dangle God in front of us and say, God wants me to do this and they commanded me to do so. And we just say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, I believe you. If we're not able to question those in authority and power, if we're not able to deconstruct what is actually being asked of us, that is a dangerous authoritarian model. And I don't care if you're a female guru, a male guru from India, from the native Americans, or you're straight up a general in the US army, the structure is the same. If you're telling me that you have more access to the divine and only if they pray that way or work that way or do these practices or go through these forms, only then can they then have access to the infinite one, That's authoritarian rule. That is not what I'm interested in. We're interested Mm -hmm. in the circle, not the pyramid. And I see just as much dogma in Kundalini Yoga as Catholicism, as the United States military industrial complex. It's the same frequency of dogma rather than true mysticism. True mysticism is the experience of the oneness. Dogma is saying you have to follow these rules in order to be a good person and get the gold stars and get the right kind of turban and get the right kind of uniform. And then you'll be looked at as someone who's valuable in our culture of society. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's classism. That's authoritarianism. And I'm not interested.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. And I think it's uh, such powerful work for each of us to recognize, as you say, how do we participate in that? How do we allow mm-hmm. it? How do we choose it? But also um, wherein, where around us is it? And how do we relate to the power structures around us? And within us, I think it takes a lot of energy and awareness and consciousness to be in the circle because being in the oh, circle yeah. takes time, right? It's so much faster to just yell at someone or like blame someone or like point fingers or dominate. Mm-hmm. Like It's actually quite quick I- in essence. It's like...
1: This or to sp- obey, right? Like yeah, it's, it's much yeah. more quick, quick to like intimidate and get it done or to yeah. obey. And like it gets it done for that moment. But what it does is it propagates the same. that same structure. Yeah
0: it's like uh, taking the sh- the shorter term suffering up front but actually it's longer term whereas the circle requires a lot of patience and presence to actually deeply listen to other people who don't agree with you is is like something that we're not taught or exposed to a lot we don't I mean mm-hmm. the, the age of the algorithm where most of us are in these echo chambers where we're just hearing what we agree with and if we don't agree with people we're hiding behind keyboards and don't have to have any semblance of connecting to the human being behind that opinion and listening and being conscientious. So yeah, that, that, those uh, Omega skills actually come to be so handy when it comes to, to building it. I think, you know, what I see so much of is the people that are most truly happy, maybe happy is not the right word, a peace fulfilled, um, deeply aligned, have meaning. Uh, Those that are really in relationship to themselves, to life, and to others. They're like masters of relationship and relating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it's interesting. I see a lot in my reality this, this idea. I'm like, wow, money really doesn't buy people happiness. And there's so much, and I think it's kind of a pivot, but it's also kind of connected because this whole pyramid and greed and trying to get on top, I think it's all quite linked. Mm-hmm. Um, and devaluing relationships and devaluing soft skills and devaluing all of those things. Um, Can we talk a little bit about money and particularly um, people with pussies or gender non-conforming people and and their relationship or access to money?
1: Yeah. Money, money is such a fun one to talk about because it's been around (laughs) since the beginning of time, like, you know, a ways to measure value And offer in exchange for that value, whether it's services or products, et cetera. So, money in and of itself is neutral. Like it's not good. It's not bad. Um, It's necessary on the planet at this time in order to be able to move around. So not having it can be very, very challenging for people. I acknowledge that I am deeply privileged because I have access to credit, right? I have access to pretend money. So Mm -hmm. the distinction on the planet right now, at least socioeconomically is those who have access to credit and those who do not have access to credit. The majority of our planet right now does not have access to credit. So what does that mean? It means that they cannot pretend that they have anything that they don't actually have in terms of natural resources. So there are many governments on the planet who do not have access to credit, specifically sub-Saharan African countries um, throughout South America, Southeast Asia, that the World Bank has determined that what they have in terms of natural resources or what they have in terms of value as a country is not equitable to other countries, specifically those with large militaries that they could then receive a loan. So I just want to name that money is not the same for everyone everywhere. And so if you're listening from India, if you're listening in Sri Lanka, if you're listening in Bolivia, this is a very different conversation in socioeconomic situations that are depending on natural resources for their exchange. The majority of our money on our planet right now that is being exchanged doesn't even exist. This is intended loans, intended <laughs> amounts of money that have pretend slot holds in a bank that's just represented by ones and zeros that then gets lended out to other corporations to do things with it and then possibly pay it back in enough time that if I were to take all my money out of the bank right now, that would be problematic. The bank A wouldn't let me do it. And B, if every human being were to do that, we'd have what's called a run on the bank, which is what we experienced in the United States during the Great Depression in 1929. People went to the bank and said, I want my cash. And the bank said, oh shit, we loaned it out because that's what banks do. You put your money into the bank and then they loan that out mostly to corporations, mostly to oil-based corporations. Most of our money, if it's in a private bank, is loaned out to petroleum companies in order to continue extracting natural resources from the Middle East. So if you're in a private bank right now you might want to consider switching to a credit union because the majority of your money is going to be used for natural resource extraction. The corporations of extracting lithium and other minerals from all over Africa specifically from the Democratic Republic of Congo also take out a lot of loans from Bank of America USA Bank here in the United States to name a few um, so money, although it's neutral, the way it's being used on our planet right now is super mafioso like. <laughs> super shady, like trying to track money on this planet is super fucking shady. I love the idea of cryptocurrency, love the idea of cryptocurrency because it's still mostly masculine oriented Real ran by male-bodied individuals. There are more female-bodied and feminine-oriented individuals getting involved, hence why we see blockchain, which is inherently transparent. You can see every transaction that's happening. That's definitely a step up from the past, but it's so cryptic in nature that to actually understand it requires a lot of study. So there's a long way to go around translating the cryptocurrency experience to actually something that isn't just for the elite privileged um, educated in that realm, but to actually make it accessible for more human beings. I've got a long way to go. Money in and of itself is a current. That's why we call it currency. Water in and of itself can be used to cleanse, can be used to drink water. It can also be used as a laser to completely cut away a mountain, right? Like water in and of itself is neutral. Water can be beautiful. Water can also be used as a laser to frack, like literally fuck the earth until we find oil. So money is the same. It's neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It can be utilized to create great beauty, to create great art, to build a beautiful home, to activate an artist into their next level of... Expression. It can also be used to buy and sell enslaved children and it can also be used to buy and sell enslaved goods. It can also be used to buy and sell weapons throughout the world. So money in and of itself is neutral and it's important that we choose what kind of relationship we want to have with it. For me, I've chosen that money is my vote. Every time I receive or pay for anything, I'm voting for more of that on the planet. So if I decide to buy that $50 dress on Amazon that I know is shipping from China, that's coming in one of those big shipping cargo ships, that's gonna sit in Long Beach Port for who knows how long, that was made by who knows what child for 10 cents a day. If I buy that $50 dress, I know that I'm voting for more of that. If I go to Etsy and decide to buy that $200 dress that's handmade, that has you know hemp seed, all the things from the woman who lives in Thailand, who's getting all of the, the money for her creation. And I'm gonna be spending more money on it, but I'm gonna be getting that just and said that I'm voting for that experience bureaucracy of our governments has completely destroyed the democracy. And so I don't actually believe that any of us have true votes in our governments anymore. And the way that we vote is with our dollar. Mm. I see money not as an issue of class, it's the votes. And I believe every woman should have at least a billion votes on this planet. I'm a stand that every woman on this planet gets to be a billionaire in this lifetime. Why the fuck not? Because Mm. women, inherently those with pussies, inherently those who have... Uh, embodied the feminine for thousands of years, it was illegal for us to interact with money pretty much around the world. There are exceptions to this, but it was illegal for us to have money. It was illegal for us to work in an economic exchange at all. It was seen as unladylike. It was seen as we were way too emotional. So for us to reclaim that space and not always, right? But when when a female bodied, a pussy haver, uh, a womb bearer, feminine oriented, omega- the essence is love, the essence is connection, the essence is relationship. And so the decisions about money are going to be about love and relationship. I'm going to buy things that actually increase a relationship that improve my children's lives, that improve my community's lives versus the male bodied metric oriented one is more likely to buy and orient only towards themselves or their nuclear family. Whereas the female body ones are more likely to think about the community and the globe as a whole. Not always, there are a lot of exceptions to this rule, but what we see is when females are leading the financial conversation, it is much more inclusive around the world. I have so many case studies to prove this. And one of them was my experience in this place called Bacca de la Papa. It was called Potato Park. It was established around 2006, 2007, the first time I went to Peru. And it was a conglomerate of five communities outside of Cusco, uh, up in the Andes. Uh, and these um Aymara-speaking indigenous peoples who wanted to come together as five communities and they were very dependent on their potatoes, very dependent on agriculture. And it just wasn't working. So each community kind of took on a role. One community took on building some more houses to have tourists come and stay. One community took on building a restaurant. One community took on building a sustainable garden that provided other foods. One community focused on the seeds of the potatoes. So potatoes in and of themselves are the seeds. So they have the highest... Altitude seed bank on the planet with over 1,300 varieties of potatoes and one community focused on education. And only the women were allowed to touch the money. And when I went back many years later, almost 10 years later, I got to see how flourishing this community was because most of the behaviors of addiction, alcohol use, leaving the money uh, out for gambling, things like that, were happening with the colonized, traumatic shadow masculine. The colonized traumatic shadow masculine often resorts to domestic violence, drug abuse, uh, alcohol abuse, and spending money uh, in ways that aren't supportive of the family. The colonized feminine is often feeling cowering, feeling disempowered, feeling like they can't touch anything, feeling like they can't make a change. When we empower that disempowered feminine and give her a space where she is allowed to interact with money. She thinks about the community first. Again, not always all the time, but in many case studies around the world, specifically in indigenous communities, when the women are empowered financially, they will think about their, their, their communities first. Another great case study is looking at any of the microfinance institutions through the Grameen Bank, which started in Bangladesh in the mid 80s. Um, and I studied socioeconomics as my bachelor's degree and looking at microfinance around the world was fascinating in the early 2000s when I was in college, um, because it was a, a, a revival of allowing women, of encouraging women to empower themselves through financial means, by utilizing money as a way to get out of poverty. And then once poverty was was gotten out of, what's the next step? Like what actually wants to grow from there? And it's always let's build a community center, let's build a school, let's build as soon as the women could put food on their table. The next thing that they said was, let's build a school. It wasn't like, I want a new dress. Let's buy a car for my family. It was immediately like, my kids are eating, I'm eating. Great, our roads need to be paved. And that, there's... 100,000 case studies across the globe from the Grimming bank and microfinancing institutions that show that when female-bodied individuals are given the power financially, they will more likely think in the circle rather than the pyramid. Now, for those of us who are white presenting and went through Western academia, we have a lot of deconstructing of our money financing to do, whether you're in a male bodied or a female body, because we have been programmed to look out for ourselves and our families. And that's been a personal process that we've all got to go through of how do we dim ourselves and others? How do we make ourselves more valuable? How do we intimidate? How do we manipulate in order to get what's rightfully ours? And I see it a lot in the coaching industry. I see it throughout the new age spirituality movement of like, I'm the best yoga teacher. I'm the expert. I'm the one you should hire. That, 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 that And subtly and sometimes overtly naming that they are somehow above other coaches or other spiritual leaders or other teachers. And it's all bullshit, like stand in your power, stand in your radiance, stand in your magnetism. But like you and I could be offering the same fucking thing to the same fucking group of people. We've got 7.5 billion humans on the planet. There is no competition here. It's all about collaboration. The idea of the, the omega principle, the feminine principle is there is actually no such thing as competition. It's all collaboration. If we're doing something similar, let's fucking share notes and amplify it so that we're more in our pleasure more in our juice and more in making profit for ourselves and our families and the planet. I'm all about that. So that's really the distinction that I want to come full circle with of like the pussy havers who are now in this Western facing, probably more white presenting, not always, but white presenting kind of academic world, that what we get to deconstruct is the ways that we've been told that we've got to get that $60,000 a month and that we got to get the Gucci bag and show everyone how great our coaching program is. First of all, the majority of Gucci, Calvin Klein, whatever the fuck your bags are, are being made by children in slavery, so don't even get me started on the fashion industry. But second of all, if you're claiming that you're making these amazing months, what the fuck are you doing with your money? If we're not giving at least 10% back to the indigenous of the land that we came from, honoring our teachers that it came from, building something that's an alternative to the bullshit that currently exists, I'm actually not interested in how much income you have. I'm interested in the impact that you're going to use that income for. What are you voting for on this planet? Sister, brother, Anamkata, my sole sibling, that's actually what money is for. It's not about what's in your bank account. It's about what it is that you're going to vote for with that cash.
0: Mm, Preach, Reverend Brianna Lynn. (laughs) All those listening, let it all the way in. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's something I talk about a lot. This idea that um, is it your business or is it your path? You know, mm-hmm. and like if it's your path, that's a different thing. There's a different frequency. Yeah. It doesn't mean you won't make money. And, and it's my belief you will if you're adding value and you're transforming people's lives and you're totally devoted to that. Then of course you're going to be um, that's going to be reciprocated. There's a reciprocal nature to that, and um, I love what you're saying about giving tidings as well. Elena Brow, who was on the podcast uh, a few episodes back, also shared a lot about that. And actually, what I really love that you said that gave me inspiration um, is making sure that you're giving tidings or that you're donating or contributing an, an amount of the money you're receiving to the First Nations people of where you are from, Mm -hmm. I, I'm inspired by that. That's not actually something I do currently and will be doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sharing that out loud to hold myself and all accountable, but everyone listening, wow, you know, it seems like such an obvious idea, but yeah, if we're existing in this kind of capitalistic, extractive society, how can we contribute? That's another thing that I grapple with and that I've been, you know, uh, bringing to a lot of the women that I admire and am inspired by as a question, like how do we, how do we operate within this system of capitalism or do we not? How do we have a business or walk this path that is of contribution and service knowing though, and I love what you're talking about voting with your dollar, but I sometimes think, Oh, you know, is it even okay for me to have a business? And, and I've Mm -hmm. had, um, Layla Martin, who's also on the podcast share with me, you know, are you helping more by opting out? And for some people that is true. I have friends that have totally opted out of the system. They literally Mm -hmm. live on a farm in Costa Rica doing amazing, amazing things. and, And they're helping to create a new system and that's their path. Um, I don't know if that's my path. Or maybe it will be, but mm-hmm. Layla was like, "Well, you know, you can also run a business and contribute more to creating a new system." But I, can you talk a little bit to that of like those that want to serve, that want to contribute, but there's also capitalism, but there's money, and how do like how do we walk that line?
1: Totally, <laughs> totally. I mean, I've I've written it off at different points and gone totally offline for like between the ages of probably. I had a business that I was running when I was in college, but after that, between the ages of like 21 and 27, I probably didn't make more than like $12,000 a year at any given time. I was running mostly on cash, living out of a backpack, Spending a lot of time studying plant medicine in South America, getting my master's degree, working for nonprofits, doing volunteers, doing work exchange. I was like the scholarship asker. Like, is there a scholarship for that sweat lodge? Is there a scholarship for this opportunity? Is there a scholarship for that weekend training? Like, I was that one. And I grew up in a resource poor family. I'm the oldest of four girls. I grew up as a farmer's daughter. You know, we never had lots of money. Um, we never starved, but there were definitely times where we couldn't buy the food that we wanted because of the lack of resources. So. I came from a very um, uh, and there was also a nobility around the poverty like with with my family of like this nobility of poverty, like those rich people mm. like you know how they got their wealth, mm. know that the rich people have this thing, and I find that a lot in people who write off money too it's like well, mm. they're all corrupt, so I'm just gonna fuck say no to that and I get Mm. it I've been there at my heart I'm an anarchist like I get it we also don't live in a capitalist society we have our government that's incredibly involved in everything that we do capitalism written by Adam Smith or at least defined by him uh, came from something that was called natural law that John Locke wrote around, around the American revolution. And there was a lot being written around in the late 1700s, specifically by white men, but along the concept of like, what does it actually mean to empower self and not have a king tell us what to do with our money and our time, right? Like this mm-hmm. was kind of the conversations between Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and John Locke and George Washington. Is was like, okay, we as the Americas, we as the United States of America want to come to terms with our relationship between power, money, money, land, taxes, okay? And so that's a really cool case study to kind of look at money and, and um, what is capitalism. Capitalism in and of itself says that if you have a good product, it's going to sell. That if you have ethics, you're going to be able to sustain yourself. And that if you are in good relationship with the people around you, you're going to have a good business. What mm-hmm. we see on our planet right now is called corporate consumerism, which is where advertising has taken over our system. We actually don't know what the fuck we want because we're hypnotized by consumers. And we have all these ads popping up and we have all this debt that's being floated around. And then we have the government taxing the shit out of us and the government telling us what we are allowed to buy and sell and who's involved. That's not laissez-faire. The whole basis Mm -hmm. of of capitalism is that the government is not as involved and that it's actually the market, the human beings who determine what is good and what is not good. We do not have capitalism on the planet right now. We maybe have it at some farmer's markets if you're allowed to negotiate, but capitalism of itself is based on negotiation. When you have Mm -hmm. a fixed price, that's no longer capitalism. So, just to be very clear, like what we're experiencing right now is is corporate consumerism that's mm-hmm. based on corporations can only survive as long as you continually buy their product. Corporations are not building one thing. Apple's not building one computer and being like this is the computer you're going to have for life. As a matter of fact, most Apple computers, most computers in general, are built with about a 5-year lifespan. These phones have about a 6-month lifespan. Are gadgets are inherently made to break in order that we keep consuming. Okay. So like, let's take a step back. We are not in a capitalist market. We are in corporate consumerism mm. and it's based on natural resource extraction from the Middle East, from Sub-Saharan Africa and from South America. Still some of the poorest places in the world is where we're extracting the most natural resources. They are the most natural resource rich places on the world, but we're taking the majority of their resources and turning them into products that we've been sell around the world for 1,800 times their market value. Mm. So... You can try to choose out of corporate. Consumerism. I get that. One way to do that is like, don't have delivery options on your phone. Don't shop online as much. Those are great ways. But to completely choose out of not interacting with money or not having a business because you're afraid that it's going to take you down is just propagating it for those who are doing the bullshit mafioso stuff. We need people in the marketplace who are willing to model a different relationship with money, a more fun relationship with money, a juicier, sexier, more alive, more integrous, more connected because that's what we're really hungry for is connection. If you can activate my connection through the way that I spend and receive money, oh my God, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. But to just choose out means that we have one less voice at the table, one less contribution for the juiciness and integrity and the currency that we need now on our planet and one other voice of the military industrial complex or the consumerist, or the consumerist, uh, corporate consumerism. If you decide to choose out and go to Costa Rica and live on a farm, just make sure you're including the people there and you're not culturally appropriating. You're not gentrifying the land that is happening there because a lot of white presenting people have escaped to the farms, but then they just gentrify those areas because they humans themselves who live there can't even afford the goods that these yogis and plant medicine people are then bringing into their communities. So let's get really, real. You think you're choosing out or are you just creating more of a problem somewhere else, my friend? That would be my question to these ones who are in Costa Rica. And they're I can't actually, say because I don't know. Done, know no, no, they're details, actually but. doing
0: incredible work. People can look Great. up the organization that they're running for the community called Fuerza del Amor. I don't think you... Um, can contribute just yet. They're actually self-funding practically the entire thing, going into the communities. They've got a a farm that they've rented on their behalf so that each family can donate a certain amount of days per month to create food sovereignty in the entire watershed. They've helped them to create their own police force so that they are also sovereign from outside forces to help create security and maintain safety because that was an issue there. Mm -hmm. They're doing like incredible work Good, and and so yeah that's definitely not what they're up to they're really really doing it right and and doing incredible incredible work that that inspired me a lot being down there and just thinking like wow and I think it's a good question to ask like am I doing enough like am I and not from that like collapsing in like I am not enough it's like no we're the spark of God so am I really am I shining and am I am I totally in service like where can I be more on the path of service what is true devotion look like like yeah a lot of of my journey recently was looking at at that and and some people might look at my life and think your entire work is about devotion and service (laughs) and great but there's always more and so yeah I was just really in that dialogue around how can I be a part of the change and am I and where am I um, contributing to the problem and just like really being in the questioning and and I'm still in the questioning I'm still in 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 the you know the, the learning and I think in many ways I am still unintentionally contributing to the problem and so it's just like a process I guess of... Questioning, and I'm so grateful for for you sharing so much of your wisdom and so so my, and the educational piece. Like, thank you, sister. I, I realize, um, in hearing that, that my understanding of capitalism isn't actually correct. So that's kind of exciting to to go on that journey and learn more about like consumerism and the difference. And I'm really understanding um, that more. I'm excited to dive in, and I hope that those who are listening feel as educated and inspired as I do. I feel like I could listen to you for lifetimes. I'm so Yay. grateful for the time that you you. you have gifted us today and the powerful transmission that you've shared and yeah, the power that comes through you. And if you're ready, I would love to move into some rapid fire questions. Perfect. Someone comes to you and they're feeling really down and you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say?
1: Let's move. Let's dance. Let's get in the body, breath, sound, movement, touch. Let's go.
0: Mm. What's the most important thing for successful relationships in your opinion?
1: Being able to share the ugly things in a beautiful way. Mm, I love that so much. (laughs) Oh my
0: God. I want that on a t-shirt. That's amazing. Uh, If you could be
1: any animal, what animal would you be? Right now, I would be a wolf so that I could run around with my sweet wolfie Luna because she's my best friend.
0: Mm, What book do you gift or recommend the most?
1: Women Who Run With Wolves by Clarissa (laughs) Pincola Estes. Fantastic
0: read. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you could have one superpower, what would it be?
1: Ooh. There's so many that I want, but right now I would say um, the ability to speak and sing in any language.
0: Mm. Yes. If you could only take one spiritual practice with you or one tool to a deserted island, what would it be?
1: The power of choosing all of my emotions in every moment.
0: Mm, I love that. What's your favorite thing that you own? Oh my goodness.
1: Um, I have a lot of really cute things right now that I really love. I think my favorite thing that I own right now is my ring. I got engaged to myself. (sighs) and i helped design this ring thank you with a woman from etsy and it's a beautiful raw moonstone set in rose gold and it's gorgeous and it's egg wisdom we float we don't swim and so i just get to look at it every day i choose me and it's
0: fantastic so beautiful i have a a tattoo on my finger when i married myself so i I know how potent that that experience is i'm just celebrating you and that is a beautiful ring mama thank you Yeah. What is something you believe is true that other people think is crazy?
1: That spending barefoot time outside is incredibly vital for the nervous system. Like not not a want, but a need for human beings. Like we need to be outside barefoot every day.
0: Mm, Yes. We do this thing with some friends here and we have like our own version of church. Like each person brings something. And last Sunday, one of the women who was in the circle said okay everyone come outside and we just walked barefoot and then she's like okay now we're all gonna crawl and we just crawled through the the autumn leaves and then we laid down and then we had to like roll around in the grass I just can really concur that that was the most powerful part of the whole moment for me and it was just really being in contact with the grass so fuck yes to that if you could eat one meal before you die what would it be
1: Oh my gosh, the perfect avocado toast with salmon lox, a soft boiled egg on top, like just enough drizzle and everything but the bagel seasoning with a tiny bit of kimchi.
0: Oof, damn girl, that sounds real good. That sounds like a very Australian breakfast, I must say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love my avocado toast.
0: <laughs> and this is the last one. If there was a universal answering machine, that everyone in the world was going to hear today and you could leave a 15 second or a few sentences or words on it, what would you say?
1: Mm -hmm. I would say everything is perfect the way that it is. And so is your desire for more.
0: (sighs) Ah, I really like that. You really hold the complexity and the nuance and the the perfect tension in that that phrase. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom. My pleasure. Where can people find you?
1: Um, Online, I am on Instagram and Facebook and all the things at RevBrianaLynn. TheEarthTemple.com is the website. And from there, you can find out about the courses, the one-on-one work, the weekend trainings, all the things that I am a part of. I would love to include you in. And I love to message on Instagram. So you're more than welcome. That's how we found each other. You're more than welcome to message me on Instagram. I will answer you.
0: Slide up into her DMs, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for gifting me with your most precious resource, your time, attention, and your energy so that we can continue to awaken together and to elevate the level of consciousness on this planet to ensure that we are all thriving in love and sex in the way that we all so richly deserve and that is so possible for each of us. If you don't already have your virtual self-worship event reclamation in your calendar, Put it in there now, Queen. January 15th, 1 p.m. USA Mountain Time. And all you have to do to reserve your free seat is go to Angeliquealana.com forward slash reclamation. can wait to see you there and to ring in this brand new year in a sexy, alive, safe and celebratory
1: way. See you there.